Amen. Well, the title of my message today is My Secret Prayer. <laughs> my Secret Prayer. And we'll turn to Luke chapter 8, verses 40 to 49. How many have ever um, had a prayer that you really didn't tell anybody about? And uh, you just didn't know if it would ever come to pass? And, and then... <laughs> Well, first of all, if it's a secret, sometimes we just don't like to brag about it. But, you know, whenever God has a way of working in our lives, he wants us to affirm what's going on and what has happened. And we'll maybe put that together as we look at these scriptures today. Luke chapter 8, well, we will put it together as we look at these scriptures today. Amen. No, it's a definite, it's a definite maybe. On his return, Jesus was welcomed by a crowd. They were all there expecting him. A man came up, Jairus by name. He was president of the meeting place. He fell at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his home because his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, was dying. Jesus went with him, making his way through the pushing, jostling crowd. In the crowd that day, there was a woman who for 12 years had been afflicted with hemorrhages. She had spent every penny she had on doctors, but no one had been able to help her. She slipped in from behind and touched the edge of Jesus' robe. At that very moment, her hemorrhaging stopped. Jesus said, Who touched me? When no one stepped forward, Peter said, But Master, we've got crowds of people on hands. Dozens have touched you. Jesus insisted, Someone touched me. I felt power discharging from me. When the woman realized that she couldn't remain hidden, she knelt trembling before him. In front of all the people, she blurt out her story, why she touched him, and how at that same moment she was healed. Jesus said, Daughter, you took a risk trusting me, and now you're healed and whole. Live well and live blessed. So whenever we think about this story... And this situation that happened with Jesus, number one, he has just returned from uh, the, across the, the Sea of Galilee. And again, the Sea of Galilee is not that big. It's, you know, it's not an ocean. It's not, it's only, I have to look up how far it is, but you can see from one shore to the other. But on one shore, it was, it was kind of divided up. The Gadareans uh, are individuals who owned a certain part of the sea of, on, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And it was kind of like the mountain, sea, and the mountain area on the Sea of Galilee. And whenever I was in, when I was in Israel, um, we, we were in a, a hotel, motel on one side, and we would look across to the mountains on the other side, and that was where the, the Gadareans lived. And what happened in that situation, there was this wild man, this crazy man, who was uh, possessed of many problems, demons, and he would run around the tombs. He lived in the tombs. And Jesus went there, calmed him, cast the demons out. They went into the pigs. The pigs ran down the hill and drowned in the sea. Well, the Gadareans didn't have time for Jesus. So they asked him to leave. So when Jesus left that area of the, of, of the, the Sea of Galilee, he crossed over to the other side. And when he returned, crossed back over to the other side, Jesus was walking by a crowd, so they were waiting for him. Now, you could see 
across. You could see what was happening, you know. There would have been a great, you know, people would have been able to notice something's going on on the other side. So they would have probably got out their binoculars and looking over there. They didn't have binoculars. But anyhow, they were looking over the other side. They would have known something was happening, something was going on, you know, because there was, there was a bunch of people in turmoil and, you know, they, they came from the cities basically to ask Jesus, you know, you're causing us a lot of trouble here. We, you drowned all of our prophets and we've lost our bacon. And uh, so, thank you, they lost the bacon. Jeez, and it's a hard crowd today. Huh? But uh, so they came across. When Jesus arrived at the other side, he was welcomed by the crowd. They were all kind of waiting for Jesus to get back. And when, they were, uh, when he arrived and he was there in this crowd, a man came up to him and, you know, said, well, my daughter, he was president of the meeting place. When I was in Israel, and I've said this before, we need to make a trip, you know, we need to go back, we need to go to Israel. And you say it's a, it's a, it's a hot spot. It's always been a hot spot. <laughs> and um, I always look at it that to go to Israel, they don't bomb tourists, <laughs> okay? They don't kill tourists. Why? Anybody have any idea? Because when tourists are there, they spend money. And both sides make money. <laughs> and it keeps the profits coming. And it keeps the profits coming. It keeps the profits coming. <laughs> P-R-O-F-I-T-S. It keeps the profits coming to the land. I'm full of it today. Uh, it keeps the profits coming to the land. And they like tourists. Okay, they don't like each other, but they like tourists. But anyhow, we were there, and, and this, this place where this um, man was president of the meeting place, or the synagogue, we sat there. We sat in this building, and it was basically a foundation. It had a um, stone bench along the side, and about a half of a wall was there, and part of the front wall was there, and everything else was just knocked down. And we sat there at this bench, and it was a bench along the wall, uh, and they would have had it on both sides. I think, I can't remember exactly, but I think the bench on the other side was still there, all out of stone that they had hewed out and they had put in place. And it was probably maybe as wide as this center section with, uh, and so we would have sat there and we talked about this story in which the person who was in charge of the meeting place would have come and met Jesus. So we don't know for sure if they were in this meeting place or they were close to it, and it's not very far from the Sea of Galilee. So from the shore of the Sea of Galilee to the synagogue was probably 50 yards, 75 yards. And the city, the town that was there, they had um, excavated it, and it was the streets, okay? And you have to remember, whenever they talk about roads and streets, the streets of the city were just about the size of this pew, maybe a little, this, this walkway. And the houses are on both sides with the doors coming out into the middle. And the houses are maybe 10, 12 feet high, and the doorways are may 10 feet high, maybe. Maybe 10, 8, 10 feet high, and the doorways are maybe 5 feet high. They're not very big. And so it would have been very crowded. Now, what happens is Jesus shows up, and Jairus comes to him. Jairus is this guy who's the ruler of the synagogue and the ruler of, the, of this meeting place. And he begged Jesus to come for his daughter who was, who was ill. She was dying. Well, Jesus went with him, all right? 
and he's making his way through what? The pushing, jostling crowd. All right, now, in this crowd, there's this woman. I need two volunteers. I need one person to be Jesus and one person to be the woman. All right, you and you, come on up here. Hope, not hope. That's hope. Come, hope. And Tyler's up. Oh, we got problems. <laughs> oh, we have Emily back there and uh, Ashley. Come on down. You're the next contestants on the pastor's Price is Right. Come on over. Come on. One of you has to be married. Both of you. Come on down. I need you both. Yeah. So you, you can be the crowd. I wouldn't want you to have to do this with your brother. Okay. You're going to be the woman who's, who's sick, okay? You're Jesus. You just stand there. Look like Jesus. That's it. Get your hand. There we go. Gets his hands out of his pockets because Jesus didn't have pockets. Okay. All right. You're going to come on this other side. All right. Now, what I would like you to do. Now, in the story, it says that the woman who was sick uh, touched the hem of his garment. Now, he has shorts on, so you don't have to go to his bottom of his pant leg. But... <laughs> I would like for you to touch the, the hem of his pants. Okay, that's, thank you. See how she did that? Wasn't, give her a hand, yes. Yeah. Wow, that was good. Now, how does it say she came through a jostling crowd? Okay, you got to stand right there. Okay, now you have to back up. I need Zach. Come on down. Come on, you got to get right up here. All right, I need some other people. we got to have a jostling crowd. Who wants to be in it? Come on down. Come on. Yeah, you, you, you know, just because you're 16 doesn't mean you can sit in a pew. Get on here. Okay, Zach, you're over here on this side. There we go. You're going you're gonna to face this way, and you're going to stand up here. Come on up here. Come on up here. Oh, it's always good to embarrass them at least once a year. All right, you're going to be here. You're going to be there, and you're going to be in the middle. Okay, and you're going to try and get through the jostling crowd. That means they're going to push and shove and not let you through. So just try and get through. They don't let her through there, you know. Now, okay, it's not very easy, is it? So what did the lady do? There is a jostling crowd. So what did she do? How do you think she reached the hem of his garment? How do you think she got down there? She said, excuse me, excuse me, walk through, excuse me, excuse me, then reach down there. Aha. You got to get down on your hands and knees. Oh. Okay, jostling crowd. Reach through there. There we go. There we go. Touches. Re- t- there we go. Success. <laughs> now, just think. Now you have, you can stand up. That's okay. <laughs> now just think. When this happened, there was probably 50, 75 people on a dirt road about this wide, and she had to find her way through all of those people to get to the hem of his garment on her hands and knees. I bet she got stepped on a lot. But she was determined that she was going to touch the hem of his robe, and she didn't want him to know that she did it. (laughs) How about that? Because she felt... And one commentary said she was going to steal the miracle and nobody would know. 
<laughs> you can be seated. Thank you. <laughs> oh, weren't they good? Yes. <laughs> so in the crowd that day, there was this woman, and she had been sick for 12 years. Now, anyone who's had a blood disorder or continual hemorrhaging is very, uh, generally very pale, very weak, and she probably didn't have vitamins and minerals to keep her well. And because of her disorder, she was forbidden to even be in the community. She had to be on the outskirts of town all the time because of her bleeding, because of her hemorrhaging. So here is a woman who has been virtually ostracized from her family, from the community, on the outskirts of her community, and weak pale, and she's made up her mind, she's going to, has to, touch the hem of Jesus' garment. But in the meantime, what she has done is she spent every penny that she has. Everything that she owns, she's sold, everything she's had in any type of savings, anything that was probably part of her family's income or wealth, she has spent it all so that she could be well. And nothing worked, and she was still sick. So what she did was, and it says here, in the, and I like this in the Message Bible, it says, she slipped in from behind. <laughs> she got down on her hands and knees, and, and she couldn't get through the crowd. People were not, oh, you want to see Jesus? Oh, come on, you know. No, they were all trying to get a hold of, get in position to touch Jesus. So she got down on her hands and knees, and the reason we know she was on her hands and knees because she touched the hem of his garment. So she, she said in her heart, I've got to get there. <laughs> I've got to get to that place where I can touch his hem. And, and, she, and so she has to weave her way through all of these people on her hands and knees trying to get there. And... She has to be a very determined person. Now, she's been sick for 12 years, and she spent everything she had, so she was determined to get where she needs to go. Did you ever have a secret prayer? See, sometimes whenever we pray, and I know it's, it's important that whenever we pray, we know we go take it to the Lord in prayer. You ever say, you know, I'm, I'm just going to take this to Jesus and leave it there. And that's a good saying. But in this case, she had to take it to him. She had to struggle. She had to push. She had to work her way through the crowd. First of all, she had to make up her mind. This is what she's going to do. Then she had to set out and get a plan. Then she had to, her plan was, it failed because she couldn't get close to Jesus. So she had to do something more, more than she ever thought. She had to get down on her hands and knees and crawl. How many times have we ever prayed, and it's like, well, you know, God, I would like a, you know, I would like a, what would you like? What, what does somebody want for Christmas? Emily? You have a gift? No, okay, I don't, she, you're off the hook. She wants nothing for Christmas. All right, so anybody else have someone who wants something for Christmas? <laughs> I know Rich wants uh, a size 10 boot. 
because he wears size 11 and he can't wear a 10 and they give it to me. So, <laughs> yeah, Rachel buys Rich a 10 and I get, her, I get the shoes that she buys him because she forgets, does he wear a 10 or 11? She don't want to ask him, you know. So I keep telling her 10, 10, 10, you know. So, so anyhow, she buys a 10. Rachel, I need a new pair of boots, okay? Okay, so I need a new pair of boots for Christmas. My prayer is, God, I need a new pair of boots for Christmas. Put it in some, okay, God, here it is. It's like, that's kind of how our prayers are. Our prayer, you know, the Bible also says that we travail in prayer. <laughs> Do you know what the word travail is applied to? The word travail is applied to childbirth. So, ladies, if you had children, it was, I'm going to have a baby. Here it is. <laughs> it didn't come out that way, huh? Travailing is that it is like labor. Imagine that. Prayer can be at times like labor. This woman was in labor, as it were, working her way through slipping her way through because she couldn't take it on. See, this is, where, this is where dedication and prayer come together. In our secret prayers, we have an easy way all figured out. See, we have an easy way all figured out. I know how God is going to answer my prayers. And we got this simple thing, simple formula. All I got to do is do this and it's done but it doesn't happen. Then what do we have to do? Well, God doesn't want me to have it, but yet he does want me to have it. What's next? Travailing, and in this case, making up our minds, deciding in our heart, God, I believe that this is what you want for my life, and I have to get to that place where I can receive it. So, she slipped in from behind and touched the edge of Jesus' robe. So here she is in a, perhaps, I, I, you know, and I'm thinking she's weak, frail from her condition. And she reaches out and she touches his hem of his garment. This is like, I'm going to steal a miracle. <laughs> and he won't even know. I'm going to get something from God and no one will ever know. Well, Jesus said, who touched me? Well, who touched me? <laughs> who touched me? Well, when no one stepped forward, see, he stopped the whole group. He stopped the whole procession. People got hands all over him. They want to touch him. They want this miracle worker to do something for them. They want, you know, if he, you know, he can take, you know, five loaves, two fishes, break them. He'll walk on, you know, I don't know how much, you know, they're thinking that he's able to do. But he's still, they're still after him, you know. They want him to touch him. And he says, okay, who touched me? Stops the whole crowd. Everybody steps back. Who touched me? Peter, <laughs> kind of... Um, Wanting things to, well, you know, un uncomfortable with the silence, you know, and nobody coming forward. He says, Jesus, in case you didn't notice, Jesus, he, everybody's been touching you. <laughs> you know, Jesus, 
I know you're pretty involved in everything, but everybody's been touching you. <laughs> and Jesus was not having that simple explanation. He insisted. Jesus insisted. Someone touched me. I felt power discharged from me. You see, whenever we are persistent and we are going to touch God and we're going to get an answer, we are, we are searching and we are pushing and we are travailing, we are working, we are going to get through this, I'm going to get through my doubts, I'm going to get through my difficulties, and I'm believing that when I reach that spot, I'm going to sense, feel, know that God has answered my prayer. Because Jesus says, everybody touched me. Hey, Jesus, I got a request. Hey, Jesus, I got a request. But along comes a woman who say, who's in desperation, says, I just have to touch him. I just have to touch him. He's my only hope. He's my only hope if I'm ever going to live. That was the kind of faith that touched his garment and virtue flew, flowed from Jesus to her and she was healed. Wow. But <laughs> when the re woman realized that she couldn't remain hidden. Now, when Jesus answers our prayer, Okay? When God touches our life, he doesn't want it to be a hidden secret. You see, in front of all the people, she blurted out her story. Why was Jesus trying to embarrass her? <laughs> he wasn't trying to embarrass her. He wanted her to be established in society again. He wanted her to once again be part of the community. For 12 years, she's been cast out of the city. For 12 years, everybody knew you can't let her in, and she's forbidden to be in our, in our presence. And Jesus said, who touched me? Which made her kneel and in front of Jesus, she was kneeling there, and she blurred out all that had happened. It was now for her benefit that she gave the testimony of what happened to her. It wasn't that Jesus was embarrassing her. He wanted to establish the miracle that was performed in her life among the whole community so that she would no longer have to be an outcast and she would no longer have to be crawling on her hands and knees to get through things. She was now able to walk in upright and in front of everyone, Jesus has done something miraculous in my life. And Jesus wanted that established before he took another step. Not only was he healing, did he heal her, but he brought her to a place in her relationship with other people through her testimony that she was now okay. And you see, in our lives, we, we reach those places that we need to, by faith, 
believe that God is going to do something and pray and believe and tell, you know, I really believe that God is going to do this in my life. And that's one form of a testimony. And the other form of a testimony is, I had this secret thing in my life. I, have this, I had this secret nobody knew about. And I've been praying about it for a long time. And you know what? Today, today, this week, I felt like God just touched me and made everything okay. <laughs> what happened? God made a difference in our life. God makes a difference in our life. <laughs> when you reached out and touched the pant leg of those shorts, did anything happen? No. <laughs> Not at all, because it was Tyler. <laughs> it was Tyler, you know. Nothing happens when I touch his shorts, you know. Well, believe me, if you touch my pallet, nothing's going to happen. But when we touch Jesus, something happens. And he's not there physically that we can, but spiritually inside of us, we can reach out and we can touch him. And what happens is, when the woman realized that she couldn't remain hidden, she knelt trembling before him, like, I'm really in trouble now, they're going to stone me. Because that was the punishment for her being in a group of people. In front of the people, she blurted out her story. Every one of us have a story. Everyone has a story. And we need to touch Jesus in such a way that we see Jesus coming into our life. We feel that unction. We feel that knowledge, understanding that we speak about our faith, our belief, and that God is going to do something. So in front of the people, she blurted out her story, why she touched him and how that at that same moment she was healed. And Jesus said, daughter, you took a risk. <laughs> you took a risk in trusting me. <laughs> and now you are healed and whole. Live well. Live blessed. <laughs> That's our life. Live well live blessed. Why? Because we've touched Jesus. Amen? So when you feel like, <laughs> when you feel like <laughs> it's uh-oh, <laughs> when you feel like it is uh-oh, <laughs> that's when we get down on our knees and crawl through the crowd. <laughs> that's right. You know, you can't ask for more perf perfection than that. <laughs> Let's stand. <laughs> yeah. But, but you see, even, even the response in the little ones, sensitive, you know, that's why I, I think it's so important for children, children, <laughs> children, to be in church. Because 
where else? You see, we come, we, it's familiar. The, the Spirit of God, we become familiar with God to the point that it, we, we sense His urging and His moving. But little ones can sometimes just sense and speak and do exactly what the Spirit is saying, and they don't even know it because it's just a natural feeling inside of them. And that's what we're looking for in our own life, that we are this childlike faith that we'll just go through the uh uh-ohs, we'll go through the difficulties, we'll get on our hands and knees if necessary, and when we touch God, something happens inside. And we just have a, wow, thank you, God. And as adults then, we're called upon to speak that truth to people around us and see how God is flowing through us to touch the lives of others. Amen? We all have a story. We all have a way that God is working in us. And let us, by faith, talk about that story to others. Father, we ask your blessing. We ask your guidance. We ask your touch upon our lives. For God, you have truly touched us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Mm-hmm. <laughs>